Hey, it's Chris Cuomo. Thank you for listening to or watching or both this bonus episode of the Chris Cuomo Project. Tom Friedman, you know him from the New York Times, big thinker, understands the Middle East very well, understands politics in that part of the world, understands negotiation. How about a quick convo with him about what's happening in Ukraine? what it means for the United States, what the right posture is, what the risks are, what the realities are, and how it most likely resolves. Important questions and a guy who understands the situation and can help us figure out some answers. Tom Friedman. Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from Cozy Earth. Let me tell you, Bedding matters. And this isn't just me telling you this. In a recent survey, seven out of 10 parents said that they get an average of three hours of sleep a night in the baby's first year. Hello, Greg. Now, mommies need quality sleep and bedding will matter. There are other variables, but here's one that you can control, okay? When we made the switch to Cozy Earth, I noticed the difference. I did not know that fabric or textiles could really be temperature sensitive, meaning if it's cold, they keep you warm. If it's warm, they can kind of cool you off. I did not know that. I know it now because I have cozy earth, okay? So this Mother's Day, why don't you treat the mamas in your life to the luxury they deserve with cozy earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize her self-care and sleep health? Doesn't she deserve it? Mm-hmm. Don't forget, use my promo code CHRIS at checkout and you get 35% off at CozyEarth.com, okay? When you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select my show in the dropdown and that will make me very happy. Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from AG1. Listen, my brothers and sisters, you know that I take my health seriously, right? I'm an aging athlete. I'm dealing with long COVID. That's why AG1 is a big part of my game, and I have been taking it for many years. Why? Because it's one and done. I don't have to worry about the combinations. I don't have to worry about the price the same way. It's so much less expensive than taking all these things separately. And it's the deliverability. It's just a scoop and a glass of warm water for me, but you can put a scoop of it in whatever you want. And boop, down the hatch, and that's that. People ask me all the time, AG1, do you really take it? Yeah, it's all over my house. And I've been drinking it for a long time, and I think it works. I have partnered with AG1 for so long because they make a high-quality product that I trust to have as part of my routine every day. So, you want to replace whatever you're doing now? Start AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash ccp. That's drinkag1.com slash ccp. Check it out. Tom Friedman, thank you very much. Humiliation and dignity correspondent. That's what you call yourself. Explain. Uh, Well, I once changed my business card um, because I realized that I had spent pretty much my career watching people act out on their sense of humiliation and questing for dignity, whether it was Palestinians versus Israelis or Muslim youth in Europe versus the Christian majority, whether it was China, which spoke about a century of humiliation, or Russia, Putin, after the fall of the Soviet Union. 
I've just spent a lot of my career watching people seeking dignity and expressing rage for their humiliation. And those are the two most powerful human emotions. How do you see that playing in our society right now? Well, I think, you know, Chris, there's no question that if you go back to the beginning of the Trump movement and the fact that, you know, Hillary Clinton once referred to them as deplorables and that sense of people feeling that elites were looking down on them is something that clearly fueled, you know, part of the Trump movement. You helped understand the negotiating of peace in the Middle East back in the early 2000s. What did you learn that we could apply to our current division in this society? Chris, you know, I think the the biggest thing I learned is what you say when you listen, because listening is a sign of respect. So two things happen when you listen. One is what you learn when you listen. All the big stories I got wrong were because I was talking when I should have been listening. But much more important is what you say when you listen, because listening is a sign of respect. And it's amazing what people will let you say to them if they think you respect them, uh, even if you are disagreeing uh, on the face. If people don't think you respect them, you actually can't tell them the sun is shining out there or the sky is blue. So I try as a reporter in the Middle East, in particular as a columnist, to make sure I'm a good listener because that really is what opens up conversation. What would that lesson look like in terms of progress in our current dialogue here at home? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, specifically, but, you know, we, we've just got so many people on broadcast and so few people on receive. You know, that's the nature of mm. social media. I'm not a social media person, so I'm, I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook. I, I use Twitter as a broadcast mechanism, but I, I don't follow it. So, but I think there's just a, a lot of broadcasting going on and too little receiving as a general phenomenon. I like that idea. You have, on October 25th, a piece people should read where you speculate that maybe the Putin bomb is an energy bomb and that he's waiting on us until the winter time and he's going to put the squeeze on us. And the clever part of the piece is you say a nuclear bomb would unite the world. Energy bomb will actually have everybody at each other's throats in a blame game. Why don't we just drill instead of the Biden reserve strategy, why not just get people drilling again instead of giving their shareholders dividends? I mean, I think there has been a big issue, obviously, about, you know, the role of oil in, in, in our economy, in our society, and in our, obviously, climate. Seems to me, though, that we're at a stage right now, Chris, where we want to balance three things. We want to balance energy security. We, we want to have enough energy, first of all, to take care of our country. Second of all, hopefully our allies. And third of all, so we don't have to be going off to beg petro-dictators around the world for oil and gas. Second, we want economic security. We want energy at a price that people can afford. And lastly, we want, of course, climate security. And getting all three of those in balance, which would say getting off fossil fuels as quickly as we can to renewables and clean energy sources. So the job of leadership now is really to balance all three. That need for that balance, Chris, was less obvious when Russia, for instance, was basically filling in the gap for a country like Germany, which Germany could say, I'm going to get off nuclear. But the reason they could do that without going to coal right away was because Russia was actually providing all this natural gas. But once Putin pulled the plug on the gas, the game was kind of up for Germany. And, and having shut down nuclear, they had to go back to now digging, mining, and burning coal. So, you know, you really got to look at all this in, in the full perspective. You got to balance all three of those things, energy security, climate security, and economic security. Sometimes you got to go slow to go fast. And maybe our problem here is with the politics of ambition, 
We say we're all going to be EV by this, and we're not selling regular cars anymore. Until, you know, on one side, yeah, maybe that motivates change. But on the other side, maybe it frustrates change because it's an unreasonable bar that makes everybody hate the endeavor. I say God bless people like you know Al Gore, who is a prophet in my book, will go down history for attentioning everyone to this problem. We need prophets, you know, sometimes to show us the way and to bang the drum. But at the same time, the energy problem that we face, Chris, is a scale problem. Um, I mean, energy is it's almost incomprehensible to people how big the scale of it is. We basically, 20 years ago, uh, were, were using about 85% fossil fuels to provide global energy needs, electricity and power, and about 15% renewables. Back then, it was mostly hydro and some nuclear. Today, after 20 years of banging that drum, blessedly so, but with global population growing and middle classes growing, we're down to like about 80% fossil fuels. So it shows you the scale. After everything right. that's happened in the last 20 years, we, we've moved the needle from 85 to roughly 80. These aren't exact numbers, but they're rough numbers. And just shows you the scale of the problem. And so I wish we could flip a switch, personally, but we can't. And so we just need to be have a realistic approach. That doesn't mean a laissez-faire approach. Again, I'm glad Al Gore's out there beating that drum and all the other people. And I'm, I'm one of the people beating it as well. But the numbers are what the numbers are. And you know, we, we have to be realistic about it and move as fast as we can to maximize energy security, climate security, and economic security. It's a little bit of an insight into what you said about how damaging an energy bomb would be from Putin, but also just a little bit of a head scratcher in terms of what's going on with our energy production situation that I was just reading that the Europeans have had their supplies stuffed by American LNG, liquid natural gas. Right. So if we have enough to top them off for the coming winter, why do we have a problem at home? Well, it's a good question. So basically, countries in Europe, France you know, has a, a lot of nuclear, but Germany in particular, they've been able to get a hold of liquefied natural gas, LNG, they have pretty well stocked up for this winter. I think the stocks are about 90% full. And if you have a reasonably moderate winter, they probably will be fine. One reason, though, for that is because China, as you've followed, has got this crazy COVID lockdown policy. Right. So their demand is down. They're trying to buy a lot of natural gas from the Middle East on long-term contracts and then turning around, marketing it up three times and then shipping it off to Europe. If China's economy were to come back, Chris, at anywhere near uh, what it's been, uh, which people expect by next winter, stocking up for next winter, everything else being equal, that is Russia really choking off these gas supplies for Europe will be a huge problem mm. uh, because to build LNG facilities takes two or three years. Right. I'm just saying that American suppliers have enough LNG to top them off. They should be able to take care of us at home if there were pressure. I'm not, I'm not, worried, I'm not worried about here. Uh, the price will be higher, but I'm, I'm not. Right. What it does around the world. So that takes me to my last ask. Yeah. Germany went off nuclear. Why? Uh, we're still at about 13%. Has nuclear been falsely maligned? And should it be reconsidered given changes in technology and the fact that a lot of the phobia is phantom, isn't it? Yeah, I certainly think so. I mean, um, how many people have been killed by nuclear accidents, you know, uh, since since uh, Three Mile Island or the accident in Ukraine? I, I think you count on one hand, it, it may take two. Compared to how many people have died from coal or been wounded from breathing, basically, right. socks and knocks that come out of coal plants. So 
Chris, scale is so much of a problem here. And the only way you can get the scale of clean electrons that we need in the time we need it, which is in the next decade, if we're going to stay below you know, the, the 1.5 average rise in temperature since the Industrial Revolution, which is what the UN tells us is the key level, we have to have nuclear. And so we were just having the first American plant, I believe, opening a Southern Company in, in Georgia is opening its first nuclear plant. This is since 1979, since Three Mile Island. That's because it has such a bad name. I mean, you would love, because it's about me, not you, you would love to see the hate I get about how I want to kill my own kids and everybody else's by suggesting nuclear. Now, a little bit of that is that we confuse the nuclear idea of a bomb with nuclear energy, and we all watch too much of The Simpsons. But a little bit of it is a cultural blind spot that I think is, if we're going to be talking about how we get off oil and gas, how do you not talk about nuclear energy when the rest of the world is kind of moving ahead of us in that regard. And this is the problem. I mean, we, we want a lot of things uh, that involve trade-offs. We, we want, I want, you know, a zero emissions economy as soon as possible. But people don't want transmission lines. And they don't want natural gas pipelines through their backyard. They don't want the transmission lines that solar and wind require. We want to be able to tell petro dictators to go take a hike. We want to not have to conserve any energy. We don't want to have to drive 55. We want to not have to put on a sweater. And so we want a lot of things that are actually incompatible. There are trade-offs. And my criticism of our energy policy is we're not being honest about those trade-offs. And, mm -hmm. and that's really what's got to happen here. And what Putin has done by withdrawing so much energy, oil and gas uh, in particular, from the system has really forced us to confront those trade-offs. Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from Done With Debt. This is a big one, especially in America, man. You need done with debt. If you're one of us who's addicted to credit, you need done with debt because you're going to bed thinking about how much you owe and what the minimum amount payable is and what are you going to do and you're never going to get out from under it. And look, is it your fault? Yeah, in part, take responsibility for your spending, but also the system traps you in debt. High interest credit cards and loans. It's almost impossible to pay off your debt once you get into that cycle. Insane inflation keeps you stuck paycheck to paycheck. And that's why you need Done With Debt, because Done With Debt is your lifeline. Done With Debt has an ingenious new strategy to help you deal with debt faster than most of us would think possible. Done With Debt analyzes your debt, gives you options that you'll qualify for. Done With Debt knows how to reduce bills, cut interest rates. They've got skilled staff at Done With Debt that will negotiate, figure out how to get better deals. So here's how easy they'll make it. Go to donewithdebt.com, donewithdebt.com, and start getting out from under the problem and toward the solution. You got debt? You need Done With Debt. Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from AG1. Listen, my brothers and sisters, you know that I take my health seriously, right? I'm an aging athlete. I'm dealing with long COVID. That's why AG1 is a big part of my game, and I have been taking it for many years. Why? Because it's one and done. I don't have to worry about the combinations. I don't have to worry about the price the same way. It's so much less expensive than taking all these things separately. And... It's the deliverability. It's just a scoop, 
in a glass of warm water for me, but you can put a scoop of it in whatever you want. And boop, down the hatch, and that's that. People ask me all the time, AG1, do you really take it? Yeah, it's all over my house. And I've been drinking it for a long time, and I think it works. I have partnered with AG1 for so long because they make a high-quality product that I trust to have as part of my routine every day. So, you want to replace whatever you're doing now? Start AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash ccp. That's drinkag1.com slash ccp. Check it out. Last question. Ukraine. I am heartbroken by the compassion fatigue in America about what's happening there. I've never had a conflict that I felt mattered more, matter less. I never thought we were going to build real democracies in the Middle East. I always thought it was about just finding who wanted to kill us and killing them first. And secondarily, trying to help people have a better way of life. But Ukraine smacks so much of what happened in the 30s. And except instead of Germany and Japan this time, it could be Russia and China. And I don't know that the rest of the world takes them on successfully. And there's a nonchalance here. We've spent enough. We did enough. Let them fight their own fight. It doesn't really matter of here. We've got to worry here. What are people missing? Well, you know, something very big is at stake. One country, Russia, decided it was going to basically devour another Ukraine. And uh, we thought we had put that kind of behavior behind us with the Nazi invasion of its neighbors. And so if you just let a blind eye to it, obviously you're really encouraging Putin to take another bite out somewhere else or China to take another bite out somewhere else. And so it's it's harrowing what's going on. You look at the news today. I mean, Putin is rocketing cities. He's trying to destroy their infrastructure basically before the winter. Trying to get their ability to put up electricity and heat so that they suffer and that they come to the table. What do you think America should do that it isn't? I think the Biden administration has handled this really pretty well. President Biden showed a lot of leadership and put the coalition together. And I think one of the things that Putin has underestimated was Biden's ability to put this Western coalition together and the willingness of that Western coalition to stick together. I think Putin thought it was going to break a long time ago. It hasn't. I hope he breaks first and gets out of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. I think uh, that takes us back to the beginning, which is your energy piece may be the biggest stress on that coalition. So we'll see how it goes. Thank you for giving me some of your time. Tom Friedman, you're always a pleasure and a friend, and I like learning from you, and I hope the audience does as well. Thanks, Chris. Good luck to you. All right. I'll see you again soon, I hope. Be well. Bye-bye. Tom is smart, but the struggle is real, and I don't know how soon we get to a better place when it comes to Ukraine. It seems like it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. I think we're seeing that right now. What will it mean for us? Here's what we know for sure. It ain't going to mean nothing. What's happening over there, specifically with Russia, clearly in agglomeration mode of wanting to bring back the Soviet Union, it can't not affect us. Learn from history or be doomed to repeat it. Look at World War I, the nonchalance. Nobody wanted to get into that war, but they let things go too far. Even more true in World War II. People understood the Nazi threat. Read about Churchill. He understood what it was going to be. He had to wake up the rest of the world. And now what are we doing? We're going to live through it again? God forbid. But it's about what we do, not what we pray for. Thank you very much for watching. Tom Friedman, always a good listen. 
Subscribe, follow. Don't forget the merch. Free agents. That's what we are. We're making the difference. We're making the difference. I'll see you next time.